Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. And we're rolling. Here we go. Welcome. Um, today we have with us uh, one of my best friends of all time, uh, and maybe the only man I can think of off the top of my head who can who can consistently beat me at darts. No, Bradley Dunn. There welcome, you go. welcome to the show. That Hello. is a, that is high praise that uh, Zach <laughs> has just given you. Yeah, I don't know. Last time we played, he he kind of won almost every time. So <laughs> you're but, that good at darts. This is something I'm, I didn't even know. No, much we're of. we're not even we're not even that good. We're, I, we're not terrible. No, I won the first game, and then I don't know. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, got to keep you humble. Got to keep you humble. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, so I'm Brad, and I am 28, and I grew up in Cambridge, and now I live in Woodstock. Uh, I was always in bands and everything, mostly with Zach here, so that's kind of, that's pretty much it, man. Just I'm just, living in the music scene, just loving yeah. your art. We so have, which instrument do you play? So I play guitar, and I sing. And I try to play keyboards. I can fake it, but I'm not great. He so. sings way better than me, too. <laughs> Makes me jealous. That is uh, debatable. That is um, debatable. We've played in three bands together, I want to say. Were you in Paul's Check ever? For a bit, yeah. Like yeah. A, like the last two months that it was a band. Yeah. And then there was, yeah, last one out. And then Static. Yeah, Static Prevails. Um, so I met Bradley. It's, it's a fun story I like to tell. I met Bradley uh, in our grade 10 year in music class um he was sitting next to this other dude named zach and zach played the uh tuba and bradley played the baritone and uh bradley caught my eye because he had a really well-coordinated dance to penguin promenade that him and the tuba player pulled (laughs) off every time we practiced it in music class yeah it was just a, a left right with the beat of the song and then on the fourth beat you lean forward that's oh, it. there you go. But it was funny. And I was like, that dude's, that dude's cool. And uh, we got to talking, and it turns out we both liked Blink-182. And uh, Brad, being the gentleman that uh, he was and still is, figured out that I didn't have any Blink-182 CDs. So he showed up to school the next day with, I don't know, four or five different CDs. All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of and, he's, them. and he's like... The whole work. It's like the, discog- the discography. Yeah, he's like, put this on your computer. And for, for the young listeners, this is back before you could just get whatever you want on Spotify. Like, yeah. you had to work to get your yeah, music. Yeah. You had to back in the days, we had to buy CDs. it. <laughs> yeah. Buy it or pirate. Right. Those yeah. are your options. LimeWire. Everyone remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Killed a couple computers. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh, like we ask everyone, Bradley, what is something that you love about our great country, Canada? I love all the lakes. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all clean. It's nice. Yeah. There's so many of them. Everywhere you go, you yeah. can just <laughs> yep. go for a dip. It's the best. So you have, uh, well, your family has uh, a cottage. Is it on Georgian Bay? Am I saying, am yeah, I yeah, remembering that correctly? Yeah, they're on Georgian Bay. They have, I think, 40 acres. So uh, my grandparents, they, they live there. They built a house there. They yeah. retired there. So uh Tell us, I mean, I've been there, but tell the listeners what the, the cottage life in Ontario is uh, like. Cottage life is something we have not discussed enough on this podcast because yeah. it is so essential to the Ontario It's story. an Ontario yeah. thing, right? Oh, yeah. In, so for, for the listeners who, who are outside of Ontario, there's a thing we say in Ontario. We just say we're going north, and that means northern Ontario to the cottage. And it's, I don't know if, I don't know if people in other provinces say no. that, but it's like a quintessential 
Ontario thing. At least, well, I mean, obviously, if they live in the north, they wouldn't say that. But for us <laughs> in southern Ontario, going north means you're buying a couple cases of beer, you're heading north, and you're going to maybe shut your phone off for a few days. Right. The, the thing is, you say northern Ontario, but nobody's ever going to northern Ontario. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> it's, it's north to southerners. You know, it's a couple a spo- hours. A right? spoiled All of southerners. the northern Ontarians that are listening to this are cringing at They're the like, idea. God, of like, no, none of those north. people <laughs> come here. None of those people come here ever. <laughs> yeah. No, just a couple hours, right? But yeah, so Georgian Bay is beautiful. It's really, really cold. All yeah, year, yeah. it doesn't yeah, really yeah. heat up, but it is the best for swimming. Uh, cottage life there, it's not, it's not really a cottage. I I think people with cottages, where you know you have a lot of places along a waterfront together, it's a it's a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But their setup is really cool. So they built a house there to retire maybe fifteen years ago. Uh, they have a couple of really old trailers, like camper trailers, that are just permanently parked with a fire pit and everything and they're all beaten up and, and run down, but they keep them functional and, and, you know, so you can stay in there and they do have a small cottage on the land, but really it's just, you know, you're surrounded by trees and there's a little bit of open space in, in the living areas, but yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's not your typical cottage setting, but it's really nice. I have a, I have incredible, I don't want to say childhood cause we were teenagers, but, but young adult memories at that place. It's the first place I ever went ATVing, yeah, which was awesome. Um, it's the first place I ever experienced, I would say, true darkness in the sense that when the sun goes down oh, yeah. and you walk away from the house and there's no light, you stick your hand out in front of your face and you can't see your hand. No, no. And the, and the stars yes. are that's, just that's the mind best. boggling. Now, you know, I don't think they existed when we were going back then, but now you can get all these zero gravity chairs and you just lay there and you feel you know, like you're floating and you just, you get lost in the stars. It's cool. That's really, really neat. Yeah. Um, so before we get into music, which is what I really want to focus on today, um, as a fellow Leaf fan, I yes, want, yes, I want to address, yes, this needs to be addressed. I want to address <laughs> the elephant in the room. And, and as an Oilers fan, I, I feel you guys' pain <laughs> to a very deep degree, but I mean, I guess we haven't been choking for quite as long. But. Well, it's, it's not, well, I mean, your team is disappointing all year. We, <laughs> we, we showed hope and then our hope was dashed. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. I mean, clearly Montreal wanted it more and that's what it came down to. You know, and you could say Carey Price stole the series, but if you look at save percentage and goals against, Jack Campbell, his numbers are better. Mm-hmm. Montreal wanted it more. That's all it came down to. When it, you know, those big, big moments where everybody's got to step up, they did, and that's it. Yeah. So, so what's the path forward for? for yeah. The what do you? I mean, wh- do, do we believe in this curse now? Is it? Is it just proven itself, or or what's going on? No, I think uh, I think this year specifically was a case of. They felt they had it in the bag. Oh, and right. They didn't compete as hard. Well, when in, you're in up the, three one, like then yeah, they just took their foot off the gas. It, that's what it felt like watching the games. Like I, I think all the pieces are there. There's no reason they couldn't do it, other than they just kind of let off. Whether they realized they were doing it or not, that just the confidence that they didn't consider, you know, kind of hurt them really. Yeah, we spoke. Uh, we spoke when the series went to three two. And I was uh, I was starting to get nervous, and you had such calming calming <laughs> comments. You said, 
yeah, but you know, we're not going to lose three in a row. <laughs> yeah. And, and that seems to be as much as I love them dearly with my whole heart. That is what being a Leaf fan has been like my entire life. It's like, surely we won't screw this up. Yeah. And you know, people still expect otherwise and it's, you can't, it's, especially with playoffs. It, you know, it's different. It's just different. If you have expectations, you're going to be let down. Yeah. Only one team can win it all. So, you know, just go into it with low expectations and anything else is a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) And this is being a Leaf fan. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I also grew up watching like NFL football. Right, uh, right. And, you know, my dad was a New York Jets fan. So that's what I am. And that's more of the same. That's that's a many 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 years of, of of a lot of disappointment and heartbreak. So do you? I'm follow- good at this. I'm good. Right. At this. Yeah. You're like you- this is like my Bollywick. <laughs> do you follow a sports team that doesn't mess with your emotions? No, but the I guess the trick is to not let it. Like as yeah. much as that game sucked, like that game seven for the Leafs. You know, uh, you know, you get upset for a minute, obviously, but. You know, you go to bed, you wake up, and whatever, it's over. It's a hockey game. Yeah, well, after we... I can't remember how many years ago, but after we lost in the playoffs to Boston... The first time? Like 2013? Wasn't it like three times in a row? Well, yeah, well, the, well, the, well, one, the one that we were way up on. Oh. Well, that was another 3-1 lead, wasn't it? Yeah, no, the 3-1 lead, they've, they've had that... It was a 4-1 lead. Ten minutes left in the third period. That's right. That's oh, right. right. Yeah, 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 twenty thirteen. Yeah, game yeah. seven. That's and that's it, the one. And it just was exactly what happened with these last three games. Like, oh, we got this in the bag. Yeah. You know, foot off the pedal. Man, I, I, I don't want to admit it, but I was mad for weeks. <laughs> like that that game broke me, and I, I say this very openly there is not a sports team that I despise more than the Boston Bruins. And I'm supposed to hate the Montreal Canadiens, but honestly, the Bruins can die. <laughs> I hate them. The hard but what thing I wanted to that. say, what I wanted to say is losing to the Canadians this time around after dealing with the emotion of the Bruins, it kind of just felt like par for the course. And I was like, I've been here before. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. Well, this is it. a familiar emotion. <laughs> and, I, and I totally understand wanting to hate the Bruins. When it comes down to it, they're an awesome hockey team. Like they're, yeah, they're skilled. They they're physical. They're quick. They are. They're just well-rounded. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you want to hate them, but at the same time, they're just they're good, man. You can't, uh, you can't take that away from them. For sure. They're respectable. <laughs> So yeah. uh, before we move on, make a call. Who takes it? Who takes the cup? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the whole Throw, thing. Yeah, I. That's tough. And who are you cheering for now? Colorado. Okay. And, Why I, Colorado? I, and I think they could win the whole thing. My Col- uh, when I was a kid, my cousin's favorite team was Colorado. Mm-hmm. So that was like my second team. Yeah. So I, you know, whenever the Leafs are out, which is a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Colorado if they're in. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, like you were saying that uh, that 2013 defeat hurt you. I didn't watch a game again until they drafted Austin Matthews. Really? You oh, didn't even really? watch a single game? I didn't game. watch a single game. I didn't watch either. I stopped watching. Although we were busy. They, in those years, that's when we were really, really going hard at all the band stuff. Mm. Right? We what? didn't really have a whole lot of time for, for hockey. Right. What a lovely segue. Yeah, that was a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, that was like fluid. It's, like you're, it's like you're a professional yeah. at this. <laughs> I don't know. I just, so so why, don't we, why don't we start from the beginning? Um, what got you into music and specifically playing instruments? Uh, Blink-182 self-titled. Oh, uh, okay. 100%. So, okay, so... I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 when it came out. 
and like it just it's crazy it was the first time that music was something super special to me was that album it was a record that changed my whole life and i think a lot of people our age that like the music that we like that was a big one so was that when you first picked up a guitar yeah i actually played bass first Oh, that's right. I forgot all that. all my friends played guitar. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I could learn bass. And then, you know, I'd show up and jam with my friends and they're all playing guitar. And I'm like, at the time, not realizing how interesting bass can be, thinking, wow, that looks way cooler. So I bought a guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I laugh at all the people who, uh, coming coming from the, from the perspective of a mix engineer, I laugh at all the people who are like, man, bass isn't important. Like, like you barely even hear it. And then I, I bring... I've had the opportunity to bring some of those people into the mix room when I'm doing a mix and I just mute the bass <laughs> and the whole mix goes away. <laughs> I'm like, really? Bass isn't important. <laughs> no, it's, you know what? It's definitely important. And when you're a 12 year old kid that just wants to play in a punk band, maybe you don't see the value in it. But as you really learn to, you know, play music and, and to understand it, it really is a cool instrument and it, it's key. It's, it's vital. It's, yeah, it's so cool. It, you need it. So self-title came out, you picked up the bass guitar. Um, what was learned? Like, cause you taught yourself, right? I had four lessons that came with the bass. Uh -huh. like, okay, when my, right. I got it for Christmas for my dad, it came with four lessons. So those were good. Um, I really just learned the basics. Like, you know, why, why do you play on the fret? You know, what does it mm -hmm. do? Cause I knew nothing going into it. Right. And by the fourth lesson, I had learned everything I felt I needed to learn at that point. I just asked for that that fourth lesson because I didn't have access to guitar tabs yet. Yeah. I had him just photocopy so many songs, just the tabs. Oh, no way. I oh. didn't know that. Yeah. And I brought those home and that's what I learned first. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I figured out you could go online and search guitar tabs. And so I started doing that. And that's how I learned how to play. I just by playing my favorite songs. That's so cool. And uh, we... Uh, we talk a lot on the podcast about this idea of, of personal responsibility and loving something that you do. And that's just such a cool example of finding something that you're passionate about. I mean, like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to figure it out. And I know what those learning curves are like because I've taught myself how to play instruments and it's messy and it's hard, but it's also so much fun. Yeah. And really rewarding. It's like, so rewarding. When you, The first time you nail something that, that you just couldn't get, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about, I mean, I, I, that makes total sense to me. What do you think it is about that? Is it that you, you, you can see yourself progressing? Yeah, that, right? and it just, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it just, it feels good. It's such a tangible thing to progress at, because you can sit down one day and tackle a piece of music and be like, I cannot play this. I sound like shit. And then work at it for however long it takes and then eventually get to a place where there's a very real tangible result in front of your face. That's like, I can play this now. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, so did you play in any bands before we started playing in bands together? No, no. So Paul Sheck was your first band. Yeah. Well, I, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, I had a, a friend who could kind of play guitar and his brother had a drum kit and he couldn't play. <laughs> uh, but we called ourselves a band and we didn't ever write or do anything, <laughs> but we called ourselves a but band. Oh, no, fair, fair. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that was it. And, and all I really did for that was, uh, you know, I was just trying to make a cool band website. That was pretty much the purpose. Like that was when MySpace was oh, still yes. big. Oh, and, yes. And I, I knew HTML, you know, way back. 
I can't do anything on computers anymore. But I built a website, and it didn't. Uh, nobody ever saw it. Right, uh, doesn't exist anymore. But that was that was fun. Um, okay, so you were in Pulse Check for a brief moment, but uh, our punk rock band, pop punk band in in high school, last one out. That would have been our, I guess, first real band together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me, like, tell the listeners a little bit about that experience. And that would have been the first time, you know, we approached writing music together. From your perspective, what was that journey like in learning to play with other people? Okay. So I'll start with, uh, with, so obviously we met in high school. I gave you my Blink CDs. You invited me to band practice. That's how it all started. Which is like the perfect forming of a friendship. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great way to begin a friendship. <laughs> and obviously, a lifelong friendship. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and so this band, it was called Pulse Check, and they took a lot from Blink, which obviously at the time really appealed to me. Yep. So I was really excited. And we were playing our third oh, show with I me know what the band. You're gonna, I know what you're going to say. I forgot about this. <laughs> and we're on stage, and it was just a three-song set at like a high school talent show or something. And right before the last song, the lead singer yells out, hey, guys, this has been so much fun. Uh, we're not going to be a band anymore after this, so this is our last show. And I had no idea. So I was, <laughs> oh, I was no one like, had, no one oh, had bothered man. to tell Brad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, because I was so new. I, uh, you know, I right. wasn't part of any decisions or anything like that. I wasn't. And that's fine. Like, again, I was like a month in. Right, so. right. Yeah. yeah, no, so I learned about that, and that, that really bummed me out. But uh, the singer pulled me aside after and said, hey, let's start something new. And it, you know, it sounded the same. I think we ended up even using a couple of the songs. I think that we did, Eventually, yeah. at some point. And uh, yeah, so we started it, and we didn't have a drummer right away. So our buddy Melvin... Who's been on the podcast, been on Melvin the podcast, Murray. Yeah. 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 So he he wrote the drums for our first little EP, and that was a lot of fun. But he was in two or three other bands at the time, so he couldn't do it. So we just spent the whole summer bugging Zach, like, hey, man, you got to join our band. Hey, man, you got to join our band. <laughs> and he kept, well, he kept resisting. What it, was my reasoning? I forget. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just being you, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not being a, a stubborn guy. I'm not entirely sure. I don't Maybe you wanted to start a metal band or something. You were getting into metal. It wouldn't have been a good reason, whatever it was. <laughs> no, I think that's what it was. I think I wanted to be in a metal band. I think so. Yeah. But I was persistent. Yeah, you were. And, <laughs> and eventually he just joined and that, that was it. So we were three piece for a long time. Uh, and it was cool. Like, I would just sit at home and, and write stupid little guitar riffs, and, and then I'd bring them to practice and show Garrett, who was the other member, and instantly he could just turn it into a song. He's such a good songwriter. Like he, he, Whether it turns out to be a great song or not, he can put together a song super quickly. Like Yeah, he's so fast. He, he's good at it. Yeah. So, you know, so that was always fun, and then Zach would come in, and his... Uh, his uh, all of his online handles at the time were Zach play drums. Yeah, because <laughs> yep. that's what he did. He would just start playing drums, and it was always so cool. So all the songs came together really naturally. Nothing ever felt forced. No, no, we were too young to try to force things. <laughs> yeah, no, and like I'm sure you know, if we went and listened back, we'd hear most of it sounds like something very specific that we obviously really liked at the time. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was just really fast. Pop punk. Yeah. And I want to say this because, um, well, actually, I want to point out really quickly just a, a small fun fact. Um, that first EP that you guys did without me that Melvin played drums on was actually the first time I took a swing at recording ever. Oh, that was your very first record. That was my, 
It sounds terrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so bad. But, but it's fun. It, it, oh, you it's, know, you listen to it and you're like, yeah, okay, this is punk rock. Yeah. Like, that's it. It was just really, really fast. Yeah. Like, so fast. All the songs were way faster than they should have been. I actually listened back to some of them recently. And I was like, I don't even know if I could play this stuff anymore. It's like, take as fast as you could possibly play and make it like five BPM faster and just record an entire record of musicians trying to keep up with the click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. But it was fun. It was a good time. But I wanted to say something about being young and being in bands. If there are young people listening, we, we live in a, a music industry right now where everyone is so divided off and like holed up in their bedrooms trying to make records by themselves. Um, get in a room with your friends and make music together. Um, even if you never end up playing in bands, uh, even if you never do any shows, even if you never become a successful musician, I look back at those years as some of the best years of my life. I never had more fun growing up than when I was playing music with my friends. It was the best thing I did with those years of my life. Yeah, I completely agree. And like in terms of what you were just saying, sitting in your room, you know, writing songs by yourself. I did that a lot. Just because it's all I wanted to do at the time was play music. So I, most nights I would sit there with, uh, with some software that I maybe didn't buy and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and just write write so much. And it always felt really cool to be doing it, and I'd listen back and I'd be really proud of it. But the second I brought it to somebody else, it just gets so much better. It's way better to work with people. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people are missing these days and not thinking about um, the idea that collaborating your, with your music and getting your art outside of your own head, um, there's so much value in in coming together with, with people that you trust to create something bigger than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you... I totally just lost my train of thought. Well, it, really so, it socializes you, right? <laughs> like, it, in a sense where, like, suddenly you realize that how the world works isn't as an individual and that none of us exist actually as individuals and couldn't, couldn't continue to do so. I mean, yes, we exist as individuals, but the point is we are all so reliant on one another. And I think bands teach you how to be reliant on each other on an emotional level too, because art is so emotional and you're trying mm -hmm. to get something out there to make people feel something. One, one of the questions I had for both of you, what do you think it is that drew you guys to punk? Like I'm also, I was a, a punk guy I loved Blink 182 Angels in Airways isn't really punk but you, you get what I mean I, lo yep. I loved um, I loved that sound and I and I totally get it but what is I want to hear from your musical perspectives what is punk on an emotional spiritual level and why do you think it's so appealed to you guys would you like to go first sure um, I would argue uh, twofold as keeping keeping in mind the perspective of being a young budding musician um god bless the genre of punk but it's generally speaking not hard to play um <laughs> it's fair a, fair it's a lot of power chords it's not overly complex um but to come to my second point um it's very emotionally driven and so for someone in their youth trying to discover and work through all of their angst and all of their like new emotional ideas, having music that drove at that emotion that as a young musician, I could sit down and figure out how to play. Um, it just made a perfect home for everything that I was trying to do in music and it, it made it very accessible and uh, easy to love. 
Yeah, that's great. That's a great answer. Uh, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, for, for me, the biggest thing for all music, no matter what the genre is, is what emotion is there and, and how, how strongly is it coming through. And that's really all of my favorite songs. They all have the same feeling, and it's and that's what it is. It's, oh, that can, is, I want you to dig deeper into that point. Yeah. Like, no. all of the songs that you love have the same feeling. I think it's pretty much true for me as well. And no matter what genre it is, yeah. it, you can tell there's just something special about it, and that's, that's their heart coming right through it, and that's it. Uh, but the reason I got into punk was actually because my dad listened to punk. So mm-hmm. that's what I grew up with. Most people I know that listen to punk, their parents... Didn't. didn't right but your dad did yeah yeah he was uh my parents were really young they had me when they were still teenagers so they were uh you know they're young and they, they liked they liked the punk music and everything so as growing up that's what i heard so you were hearing uh like bands like hot water music alkaline trio uh who else well even like earlier than that like that stuff was a little bit later on mm-hmm. um those bands really were kind of early 2000s mm-hmm maybe late 90s for hot water music, but uh, like Dead Kennedys and Social Distortion, stuff from the 90s, Yeah, right? Just Mm -hmm. The Offspring was a big one. I love The Offspring. But then so many things too, like like my dad really liked The Cure, and I listened to that a lot when I was a kid. And at the time, you know, it wasn't punk, so I I didn't listen to it on my own ever, but then I realized most of my favorite bands are inspired by The Cure. Oh, right. Like most of them. You, You hear it like, like all through anything Tom DeLonge does. Oh yeah. yeah. You yeah, hear yeah. that. Um, and Jimmy Eat world, you hear it a lot. Yeah. And even brand new, mm-hmm. like it, like a lot. Yeah. Very yeah. influential band. So, um, who would you say, so we talked blink 182, but who, um, there's, there's a, an idea that the bands you connect with when you're first coming into your love of music, like when you're young, like that define how you, think of music and what you love in music for the rest of your life going back to like your early music listening days who were the bands that you grabbed and now take forward with you that you will kind of always love and who are the bands that shaped you as a young musician well angels and airwaves for me Mm. was the biggest one because every single song just bleeding with emotion every single one um and i just i really loved all the cool sound effects that they did they were really creative very outside of the box (laughs) with the way that they recorded everything. Uh, so I love hearing stuff like that in, in, in all, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of music, all different genres and everything. If I can tell they're, they're really being creative and outside of the box. I like that a lot. Uh, the gaslight anthem oh, was a yes. big, big one for me. Brian Fallon, uh, every single one of his songs, he just, he puts his heart on his sleeve and he's just, He's such a good songwriter. Yeah, that yeah. song that was uh, that's got me through a lot of life. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the first ones that I heard, uh, and I, I fell in love with it. And then I, I heard the backseat right after it, which is the next track on the record. And that was before I even heard the Fifty Nine Sound. But yeah, and right away I was like, "This is my new favorite band," right. and, and they have been <laughs> really since then. So yeah, yeah, the thing. Gaslight Anthem was a big one for me, and everything Brian Fallon does. I the Horrible Crows record is really, really good. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a lot softer, you know, it, it mm-hmm. goes in a different direction. And that's where you hear a lot of those really pretty guitar tones that you maybe didn't necessarily hear with Gaslight Anthem at first. Yeah. You know, they definitely went to that later. But in all of his solo stuff, too, just I love it all. Yeah. Brian Fallon. What do you. OK, so let's let's talk about Brian Fallon. What is it about Brian that 
makes him so incredible? Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, you can really hear his personality in his songs. You, you can't do that with everybody, but it's it's there. He references all of the things that he loves, you know, all the different, you know, his favorite movies and books. He, he talks about all of it in his songs. Um, but his voice is just, I think, is really unique. Uh, would he say? Would you say that he's your favorite voice? Is he? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I like Jim Adkins more. Jim is good, but Brian has this like raspy sweetness to it. That sure. Yeah. Jim. Jim is just super clean. All who's the a, time. Who's a better poet? Ooh. Ooh. I Ooh. think. I think Brian. Uh, okay. But it's yeah. but it's close. I would say probably Brian. Yeah, but I think he, he really is a poet. But Still I think this... Jim is a better songwriter. Yeah, yeah, like I, I would agree with that. Constructing a song, I, I yeah. think I think Jimmy Eat World does that really well, and I mean they have what now ten albums. They just keep going every and three years, like clockwork, and Jimmy each, each is, one is as good is as the Luke's, last. Luke's favorite band, eh? Yeah, I was just on uh, Luke's new podcast. Um, what's it the called again? Soul, the liberal, yeah. the liberal soul, and uh, we talked a lot about Jimmy Eat World. And my my favorite thing about Jimmy Eat World is that. Um, you can go all the way back to their first records. Well, at least I can. And I deeply love them. And then I listen to the stuff that they put out today and I still deeply, deeply love, love them. them and yeah. I don't feel that about a lot of the bands that I even really, really love. Um, oftentimes you hear people say, Oh, I like their old stuff or I like their new stuff. Like there's not a Jimmy world record that I don't love. Yeah. They're, they're all, all great. Incredible. And, and I mean, most of them, are pretty different from one another. There's a couple that are very similar in, in their in their feel. But most of them are really different from the last one, but just as good. And no matter which one you listen to, you can tell that it's them. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, speaking of Jimmy Eat World, we named our last band after a Jimmy Eat World record. We named it Static Prevails, and that's where that came from. Yeah. Um, so we just did an interview last week with Rob, who was also in the band. Um, and we just kind of shot the shit about some of our favorite tour memories. Do you have a static prevails memory that you can bring to the table that it was like a defining moment for you or just something that you look fondly on? It's really hard because it was all so much fun. It was so much fun. And at the same time, it was all really frustrating too. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's five different personalities that all really worked well together. But when we weren't on the same page, we were not on the same page. There was so much passion in that project. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All of it was so much fun, though. Um, every show was great. It was always so much fun. Um, I always just loved when we would gang up on Rob, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Being in a band is such a brotherhood. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and brothers fight. Yeah, and like we would just do like stupid little pranks and we'd always film them and it's crazy there's such a market for that now yeah, true, <laughs> there is true. Had, you know had we been putting this stuff up on the internet way back then we might be youtube rich right right now. true yeah true. yeah we were maybe a little ahead of the curve and a little behind on our posting ability <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know that's we were just living in the moment and that's the best thing about that band is we didn't really ever think too far ahead you mm-hmm. know we obviously had goals and, and things that we wanted to do but the whole time we were together, anytime we were in a room together, it was just 
so much laughing just all the time. We were yeah. always laughing, and that was the best. It was so much fun. And I truly believe, at least for me, um, that project brought forth some of the best well, no, the best music I've I've ever been a part of creating with my friends. Yeah, me me too. And I think we all did a really good job of pushing each other and, and challenging each other to to get to creative heights that we had never really gone to before. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. Um I will I will say that I do have a favorite time from the band. Oh, and yeah, that, yeah. That was when we went to uh we went to record our EP. We did it at Beach Road Studios with Siegfried Meyer. And that was so much fun. We just, we had the best time and his studio was so cool. That was probably my favorite memory from the band. I love, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, there was a fair amount of beer, which always for us led to a lot more laughter. And I don't know, it just, we worked really hard in the daytime to, to create and then at night, it was just sit around the fire, play some acoustic guitars, have a few beers, and and pick on Rob. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which again, There's a lot of picking on Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he he uh, he could definitely dish it out. And, right. And he, right. He made himself a target, and I think he loved it just as much as we did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'd be the first one to to find somebody's flaw and kind of poke fun at it. But at the end of the day, you know. He was one of the best friends you could ever ask for. There's nothing he wouldn't do for somebody. So he's just a real sweetheart and a giant, giant teddy bear. <laughs> I really enjoyed having him on the podcast. Yeah, he's a awesome. great guy. I love Rob. Yeah. Um, Bradley, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, no, thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for this uh, farm boy orange vanilla sparkling water. It's delicious. <laughs> They're delicious, aren't they? They are delicious, yeah. But no, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Well, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The C-A-D Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.